Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth in Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Dude, it is good to be back. We had a crazy summer. I feel like it just started, and now it's it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this summer is a reason why we take a break from recording. Um, man, it was insane. Uh, your of course yours was insane for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I was literally uh, out of the office not uh, for like five weeks in a row between mm. a vacation, which was good. Um, then kids camp right after that mm. for a week. Came back a uh, for a day or two left. No, actually a day. Then left for Costa Rica for 10 days, came back for like a couple of days and went to student camp. So I, li- I was gone for like five weeks, nuts. A couple of weeks after that, we have VBS, which I helped with, with our kids, kids pastor. Uh, then we, then the week after that, we have a thing called Burke Changers, which is kind of like world changers that we do in our community. Uh, just nonstop all mm. summer long, but it was great. The man was it busy. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the, if this lets you know um, how busy summers are for me and Ryan, um, one of the things that we talk about in May is trying to uh, record a couple of interviews over the course of the summer so that we can do some intro outro stuff and then have some episodes ready to go for the fall. You know how many of those I did this summer, Ryan? I know. I know. Why don't you tell everybody listening? (laughs) Zero. (laughs) (laughs) That's how busy my summer was. Oh man, there were a couple places I went though that I was like, man, I really, really wish I had my podcast microphone because I could probably have interviewed this person while we we're hanging out. But whatever. You ever have one of those conversations with someone where halfway through you're like, oh man, I should hit record at the beginning of this. Oh, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I was only able to interview a good one of good my friends that will be released next uh, uh, next episode. It would be Josh Watman, one of my good friends who uh, just recently wrote wrote a book. Um, so I was able to talk to him and chat to him. But I'm, it's been just as busy for me trying to figure things out. Uh, of course, my church and my pastor has thrown me a, a, a wrench uh, for this year. It's not good a wrench, bad, though, right? Yeah, good wrench, <laughs> not a bad wrench, but it's like figuring things out. And I am now dual rolled uh, at my church. Um, and as my pastor twice said, the pay. Yes, I'm just kidding. Well, wish, <laughs> wish it was twice the pay. Nope. It, it's it's yeah. He, he I asked him. Uh, so is this temporary? Is this uh, permanent? He was like, this is temporarily permanent. I was like, yeah. That means you have no idea. <laughs> so, that but, means it's long term, and there's no plans for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I, I am over. All discipleship at our church. Um, also, of course, still over their student ministry. I, I'm excited about it. Discipleship uh, is a 
huge passion of mine, and it should be it should be everybody who calls themselves a believer in Christ. But I was really passionate when it comes to a church context because uh, me being a student pastor, being in youth ministry as long as I have. Uh, one of the things I've noticed over the years is that the kids, the students, can only be discipled so far mm. if the parents aren't being discipled. And mm. so, uh, so I've always had uh, the past couple of years developed more and more of a passion to see adults discipled, see parents discipled, uh, because a lot of them, it's, a lot of them, have never been discipled themselves, never been poured into, and how you expect them to pour in disciple their kids if no one's ever done it with them. Yep. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about it. It's gonna be it's gonna like anything, it's just figuring stuff out, how to do things well, balance things well, but I am excited about it and see what God's gonna do with it. Um but uh I'm excited also to talk a little bit about this week's topic this topic is going to be a little bit different as as david me and david get into this uh yeah, not this... controversial at all <laughs> like like always <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the topic the topic today is is over the over this this is something that is popping up more and more in baptistic circles hmm. uh i think it may have been happened before but i guess i see it more now and it's it's this thing that's that happens in denials. It happens now in uh, camps, depending on what camp you go to. And it's this phrase or this what's called call for ministry. Mm. So what that looks like and how to define what that means is it is a speaker who is on a stage giving a message and at the in the middle of the message or at the end of the message, uh, almost like an altar call, uh, gives a calling to ministry. So those of you who are called to ministry, raise your hand or come forward or whatnot. And and what I want us, us to kind of hash out a little bit today is on the surface, that looks okay on the surface. But I, I want to explain why doing that is really unwise or in fact can be very harmful. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know how to put this there. Before we like get into the, to the depths of it, there, there's a difference I think between, um, I guess like apprenticing or training someone to a call to ministry and then, what you're talking about, which is more of the generalized, like from behind the pulpit during a, 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 a sermon or a weekend where you're just like throwing a blanket thing out there and just saying anybody, it's, it's almost like you're treating a call to ministry, like a call to repentance in the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like all who will come, come. No, that's the gospel. <laughs> um, that's not necessarily uh, all who will come to start working towards vocational ministry right now with no explanation whatsoever what that means come <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and he, here's 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 my my beef with that so so let's go back when we talk about ministry let's define what, what we're talking about yeah uh first now depending on your theological background there may be some different some different opinions on this but i'm just going to go back to scripture and let scripture kind of go talk speak itself and we'll go from there 
And it's the passage that we all know. We all know probably most of us by heart. And that is Matthew 28, 19 uh, through, and 20, verses 19 and 20, which is what well, we coin uh, the Great Commission. And it says this, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the thing with this. This is at the end of when Christ is about to be ascended. Mm -hmm. And this is a call. This is a command. This is not an option. This is a command in Greek. So when you look at the original language, you look at Greek right here. This is a command. And this is a command to all who was there. So who was there? Over 500 people. All of so this is command to basically to all of us, a command to us even today. So why is that c- command? That command is to make disciples. So how do you do that? You go. Go make disciples. What's the process of making disciples? Teaching them everything that Christ has commanded. So everything, so teaching them about Christ. So it's to obey everything that he has commanded. So, and here's the gist of that. This is not a calling. That is just for uh, pastors. Uh, this is not for church, church staff. This is not a calling that is just for those who are, are doing a parachurch ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a call for everybody. So, since when we talk about ministry, what is what is being a minister? What is ministry? Mini- ministry is ministering to somebody, being a minister, ministering to somebody. We are all called to minister to those around us. So, and, and it can be in every one of our influence, whether it's being school, whether it's our jobs, whatever that may be, we're all called to minister to our, our sphere of influence, to reach people with the gospel and to make disciples. Uh, so that, that's, that's what it means to when ministry, we're calling the ministry. That's what that means, that we're all called to do that. So when you do a calling of ministry from a stage saying, hey, if you're called to ministry, come forward. And what it does, it, it, whether realizing or not, actually makes it seem like the only people who are called, quote unquote, called to ministry are a few. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's all, not a few, all. Now, there's a few that are called into full-time ministry. To where you're, whether in the church setting as a pastor, as a church leader, or uh, as a parachurch organization. Mm-hmm. So there's some that are full time, but we're yeah. all called into ministry. Yeah, full time. Uh, another way of putting it would be career or vocational. Um, yeah. As um, I guess, in order not to mince words, as your primary source of income. Um, that being like your job, um, I guess is, is the way to put it. That's kind of, uh, it doesn't show the heart behind why you're doing it, but that's the, what it is. Um, you know, pastors, missionaries, people that work uh, on that level or, or something similar to it. Um, but I think the, the damage that gets done, um, like you said, doing it from the stage is that there's no clarification there. Um, like we know what we mean <laughs> when we say yep. it. But that doesn't mean they know. Uh, in fact, I was just this morning, I think, I was listening to another podcast and 
they uh, it was um, it was on preaching by H. B. Charles Jr. And one of the things that he was talking about on how to be a good preacher was making sure that you don't assume your audience knows something. Um, don't when you're preaching. Well, it's not an audience. You guys know what I mean. Don't assume everybody in the congregation knows what you mean when you say something. So if you make a reference and you're like, "Yeah, you know that," you know, remember what happened with Abraham and Isaac on the mountain? Yeah, that. All right, and then move forward. Well, there might be unsafe people or brand new Christians in your congregation that don't know, and so you got to be clear on it. So it's the same thing with this. If you're going to make a call, uh, I think what you're saying, Ryan, is don't do that from the stage uh, at all. Don't. It's it's not that you should clarify what you mean before you do it. It's that you shouldn't be doing that from the stage. Um, if you're going to make a call from the stage, it should be a call to Christ. Yeah, and I'll, I'll explain why. We'll go through that in just a minute uh, as well. Why? Uh, but yeah, yeah. I just don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's wise. Um, it's just because okay. Let's get let's get down to to that kind of answer that question. We'll, we'll hash that out. Of uh, of what, uh, what is I wouldn't say what is the way, mm-hmm. using a Star Wars Mandalorian reference. This is the way. Yes, but it's not the way. But but what is the best way? What is the wisest way uh, of going about? Because the whole gist of it, I think there's a movement of this happening among youth spaces because there is a there's a reality of a lack of people going into to a full-time church ministry to the pastorate. Yeah. There, there, there is a lacking of it. In fact, uh, when you look at strictly just numbers, uh, look at statistics, it looks pretty bad. Like it looks like in the next, in the next 20 to 30 years, or uh, there's going to be a lot of churches closing doors because they can't find pastors. I've had, I think, just within the so I already knew about two churches that were looking just for a youth pastor, and now um, since a week ago, I've got there's four now that I'm aware of that are looking for youth pastors, and two of them are looking for senior pastors. Yeah, and in our in our, in our uh, Baptist Association Association of Churches in my area, uh, which is about sixty a little over sixty churches, there's ten churches that don't have pastors right now. They can't wow. find pastors, uh, so it is a re- it is a real problem. So I understand the reasoning behind doing it, because there really is a lack of people who want to minister. But mm-hmm. doing it from a stage, doing a calling from a stage, asking people to come forward on the stage is not how do you do that. Let's let's go let's go look at scripture. Okay, let's let's just take a moment, think through this. What did Jesus do uh, when it comes to bringing up le- spiritual leaders? And uh, pouring into people, what did he do? He took twelve men, poured into them to be the church leaders, and then he took out of those twelve, took three that he really poured into, really dived into, that became the leaders of those leaders. Mm-hmm. So, when we take that, when we take that model of how do you produce leadership, how do you produce church spiritual leaders in, within a church? It's you taking time pouring in to a person, a kid, a young adult who you see potential. See, if he, they must be one, maybe one of the worst kids in your youth group or in your ministry or what, no, whatever ministry you're in. It could be youth ministry, adult ministry, fill in the blank. And you see this kid and this, and this person and say, hey, that person has the potential to be a great, great 
pastor or a leader. And it means you going to that person, pouring into them, developing them, discipling them into church leadership. Uh, that's where it's not, that's why it's not happening. That's why there's a gap in pastoral ministry in, in this country right now. It's because that is not happening. Because what we have across the board and statistics and research shows us we have a discipleship problem nationwide in our American church. Um, and that lead, that's, this is part of discipleship is pouring into the next generation of leaders. Because that's part of my story. And I think, David, if I remember correctly, that's a little bit of part of yours too, uh, that the only reason why I am a pastor, uh, sitting, here, uh, sitting here and, and doing stu uh, student ministry and church ministry is because my youth pastor came, came up to me, uh, an introvert, shy kid, and said, hey, I really, I really believe you have what it takes to be a, be a youth pastor. Did you um, laugh at yours too? Oh, <laughs> I was like, uh, heck no. <laughs> I was like, because I was a preacher's kid. I saw what my dad dealt with. I saw what my grandfather dealt with. I was like, I don't want not, nothing to do with that. Hmm. Plus, I was, I was a high introvert, getting in front of people, speaking in front of people uh, would probably cause me to have a heart attack and die on stage. Um, so I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But again, it took him, my youth pastor, saying these things, then over time, more and more people doing the same thing and pouring into me to get me where I am today, to where mm -hmm. I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor, to yeah. church, full time church ministry. Um, but it took, but that is not easy to do because it takes time. Um, it takes your time. You have to sacrifice your time to do that. It gets messy. His relationships yeah. are messy. Discipleship is messy. Teenagers I, are messy. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like that, again, on the surface, a call for ministry is not bad on the surface. Right. But uh, I do think in some ways, not intentionally, not intentionally, but in some ways it can be lazy in a sense of, why won't you spend more time instead of with students saying this? Why don't you spend more time with youth pastors saying, hey, youth pastors, this is what you need to be doing if you want to see this generation radically change for God. It's, it's pouring out into it's seeing the next generation of, of church leaders and spiritual leaders within your youth groups and pouring into those kids. And it doesn't. This is one of the things. So this is one of the obstacles to all this, is is the numbers game. Um, <clears throat> there is there's a there's a group within Christendom that has realized that the end game is not butts and seats and nickels and plates, but there is a, also a group that still does believe that that's what it's about is just getting more people in the door and more money, and it is a difficult mindset to get out of when you want to see uh, the whole world come to know Christ as savior. Uh, I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> That's the preference. <laughs> All right. Um, but you know that it's not going to happen by the end of the week. So um, there's something that I think feels good to make a mass call and have a mass response uh, versus the hard work, delayed gratification and toil it takes to invest in one kid uh, or two kids. Um, 
and and the heartache and disappointment that comes from that. And and there's I, and I'd, I'd love to get your take on this, Ryan. I think that there's a false sense of it's not my fault if you just do the mass call and then some of them fall away later because, well, you know, it wasn't because I invested in them incorrectly. It's because I didn't really invest in them in the first place, but that's that's a whole other issue. Um, but when you put in the effort and the blood, sweat, and tears into a student and then let's just say like uh, since you used your example of your youth pastor investing in you, let's just say that your youth pastor said that stuff to you and was investing in you and pouring into you and you graduated from high school and he kept investing in you for another couple of years in college and then you decided bump this, I'm going to go do something else. I hate Jesus. <laughs> and and you moved on with your life and you got into all the things the prodigal son got into. All right. Um, that hurts. Um, I'm sure that there's a certain amount of grief and pain that your youth pastor is going to go through because he put in all this effort and he put in all of this time because he thought the Lord might be calling you into ministry. And then you ended up rejecting all of it and, and undergirding all of that pain and the, and the, the thought processes and the grief and the, and the, the garbage that he's going through um, is, is, is the forgetting of the fact that God's the one that causes the growth. Um, God's the one that changes the hearts of man. Uh, it's not, we, we don't save anybody and, and we don't prop anybody up into ministry. Um, we can encourage, we can pray for, we can point people to Christ, but ultimately it's God who's the one that's going to work in the heart of a teenager to go into the ministry on a, on a, on a calling full-time kind of level, uh, if that's what you want to do. Um, but it's a whole different set of efforts and communications and preparation to help all of the students understand that if you claim Christ, you are called to a certain type of ministry, no matter where you are or what you're doing with your life. You have been called by Christ to go make disciples and teach them to observe and obey all that he has commanded. And that doesn't matter if you get paid to do it or you do it for kicks and giggles. Um, that's what you've been called to do by the Lord. Some of us have just been given the honor of being able to do it full time, which is not so much feel like an honor as it does a burden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scripture, scripture says that. Um, and we're held, uh, careful how I say this, Scripture says we're held to a higher standard, but it's not like a you're better than other people higher standard. It's James, more of a, James chapter three. James yeah. chapter three. More it's and and it's not like a you're held to a higher pedestal. It's more of you're held to a stricter judgment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because look, if you make a mistake in your own life, you've got to answer to the Lord for that. Um, if I make a mistake and I lead my children and my wife down the wrong path, I have to answer for all of that as well. And if you're a pastor or a ministry leader that has been put in charge of the souls of others and you point them the wrong direction, not only are you responsible for what you're doing, but so far as the Lord requires, you are responsible for them as well. Now, they do end up making their own decisions and they'll be held responsible for their decisions, but the scripture is pretty clear that we're going to be held to a high, strict standard because we are, um, how does Hebrews put it? Uh, looking out, caring for the souls of others. Um, I think it's in Hebrews uh, 13. Let me look it up. It's it's uh, it's the passage where it talks about um, be basically being a church member that doesn't make it hard for your pastor because you're giving him a lot of grief. 
<laughs> um, obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do it this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So it's Hebrews 13, 17. Um, the, the concept of they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account, have to give an account. Um, you can't, if you're going to make a calling in someone's life to be a leader who is keeping watch over other souls as those who will have to give an account, you don't do that from the stage. <laughs> no. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad you said you brought up um, just the, the idea, like if a kid goes, goes away and doesn't, and walks away their faith or, or whatnot mm-hmm. or stumbles this uh, kid that you're pouring into. I want to speak in that to a little bit. And you kind of said it a little bit uh, throughout your conversation. But the main thing needs to needs to be understood is this: uh, is that if it's not wrapped in prayer, mm. uh, not wrapped in uh, you in the concept of you need to follow God no matter what God wants. Because uh, because my youth pastor said that to me, but he also was discipling me not to to that end. He was pouring to me because he just loved me, and through him saying that one or two, one or two things, and other people saying things is eventually what I started realizing that God's calling me to the pastor. But it wasn't him deciding me to that end, as much as that he he showed that he loved and he cared for me. Mm-hmm. So, I, when you're pouring into kids and those that you see as potential spiritual leaders, it's not. You don't do it with the intent of I'm I am going to make you into something. Mm. You need to do it with the intent of I'm going to pour disciple you the best way I can and allow God to work in your life. Mm. And I just want to be a funnel for that. Um because the fact is, you're you you're not David. We're human, okay? <laughs> we're wow. not we're, we're we're going to make mistakes. To to say that I am going to make someone into something Mm-mm. when it comes is is just not going to work. And so so yeah, so that mindset of when you're when you see kids in your youth group or people in your life, they say, "Hey, I see that person as a spiritual leader. I, I don't think they're where they need to be at now, but man, they have so much potential." And and you. And you just sit there and you pour in, and you love into them, you, you 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 get to know them, and over time, as a relationship is built, um, over time you can start pouring in them and discipling them. Uh, but but yeah, so that that is again that is the long game, and I think that again, like I said, a call for ministry is not bad, and but leadership is developed over long term, not some the short term. And I'll give you a perfect example of, of this as well, as, of a church doing this. And again, this church is not perfect either because no church is perfect. Uh, but like my home church that I grew up in, my grandfather was a pastor there for 40 plus years before he retired. Everyone's staff uh, is there, been there for 20, 30 years. Uh, those who have not been there that long were, were kids who grew up in the church that are now pastors in the church or if they didn't grow up in the church, they've been interns at the church that are now pastors in the church. The, so my home church was very much, the church I grew up in was very much uh, understood this aspect of replicating leadership, mm-hmm. uh, developing leaders, next generation of spiritual 
leaders within the church to take the mantle of leadership, spiritual leadership within the church. And they understood this. And again, not I would have to say again that this is a generalization. Okay. So I'm not saying this is this is right. This is this is how I feel based off of all my experiences with other churches. Most churches don't understand this. Hmm. Uh, let's just take just take a minute uh, and think about all the churches who don't tra- like if a pastor is leaving, retiring that doesn't have a transition plan of <laughs> transition another person to, into leadership in that role. They just have an interim pastor for mm-hmm. how, how long, for five years or whatever, while mm-hmm. they're waiting to interview other pastors. There's no transition to leadership within the church. Um, Do you remember what happened with our church in Lynchburg? Yeah, it was, it was how many years of a transition? I think it was still five. It, it, it was well, five it, so they came up with a five-year transition plan, but do you remember what happened prior to that? Uh, that I don't know. Like remember. how they got to that point. So I've, I've asked about it because I was curious. Um, when the pastor who had been there for like 20-something years, which by the way, um, I think they made a joke about it later on that his file his personnel file still said interim pastor, like <laughs> to your point. Anyway, uh, after like 20, 30 years of ministry at the church, cause he was initially just the interim. Um, he, he was getting ready. Like he was kind of like, all right, I, in the next five years, 10 years, I'm probably going to have to retire. Cause um, I, I can see not like the writing on the wall, but you know, I'm getting to that age and the church is growing and I don't think it would be wise for me to try to hang on as long as possible. So he actually gathered together a, a, a team and asked them to go find what other churches are doing for succession. And after whatever period of time, they came back and he said, all right, what'd you find? And they were like, nothing. Nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> like, which, which nobody, has, nobody has a plan. So they were like, what do we do? And he was like, well, make one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and what's funny about that is that my home church, the church I grew up in, uh, Peace Church, uh, did the exact same, not ex- that way, but they they did some research. Nobody's doing it, so they did a five year transition plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, they had a, so, uh, the worship pastor, well, music pastor back then, music minister <laughs> back in the nineties, or at least early two thousands, but um, and phenomenal communicator, and they were transitioning him into the pastor, the pastorate, and. Uh, and so what they did is they just, the first year, they just had a, a minute role. So you preached uh, some, and then the next year, he had a, his role changed to the church a little more, preached a little more. Same thing the third year, preached a little more, role change. Until they got up to the fifth year to where he was co-pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 99% of the preaching, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And so when he, when he, when they, uh, made the announce, announcement and voted on him being the next pastor because it's still a congregational led church when they it was unanimous because he's been doing it for so long mm-hmm. and so they had a transition period worth. yeah and, and the fact is they my grandfather also poured into him um, as well in that five year five year period so but again i can't name another church besides heritage and lynchburg the church we were a part of uh, that's the only other church I've ever, I've ever heard of doing that mm-hmm. besides heritage in my home church. The only two churches I've ever heard of not saying it's not out there. It's just in the, so it is, it doesn't get talked about. <laughs> yes. The mass majority of churches, I hear the opposite. And you know, if there's not one for the senior pastor, there's definitely not one for the youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that and it brings another thing, but, um, 
and again, that goes back to where we're talking about before, as far as called to ministry is, mm-hmm. man, you you have to develop your leader spiritual leadership within your church. If you're not doing that, next generation of spiritual leaders, and you're not doing that, you're actually failing. To, in, in my eyes, when I look at scripture, scripturally, you're failing. Um, that's and the reason why we're at where we're at right now culturally where there is a lack of pastors to be able to fill pulpits and churches, and it's getting worse, is because of the lack of, quite frankly, discipleship. Let's, let's call it the simple terms, discipling the next generation of church leaders. My brother-in-law is a pastor in Florida, and he told me something that has haunted me for years now. <laughs> That's probably not the best way to put it. Um, he told me, uh, cause he's been a pastor at several different churches. And I think the one he's the pastor of now, it's a church plant that he and a team are doing. Um, but he told me as soon as I start as a senior pastor, one of the first things I start doing is training my replacement. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like I've never given that any thought, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I've ever met a pastor who is willing to do that and not because they've never thought of it, but there are some that I've met that won't do that because they don't want to be replaced. And that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean like I've known some good men. My pastor's a good man. And, uh, and you know, so I'm not pooing on him, but um, I mean, how many, how many how many leaders in any field do you know of that are terrified of getting replaced and because of that they won't invest in the next set of leadership yeah not not many y'all man i don't know man it's a, it's a, it's just this is again what i just want to what sparked this whole entire conversation this whole thought process of of me wanting to get on air and uh, for us to talk about this a little bit that uh, was this was actually done at a camp i was at this past summer when I had the students. Uh, again, same thing in the service, uh, bringing kids forward. Who's called to ministry? If you're called to ministry, come forward. And, of course, I've seen a lot of kids coming forward. None of my kids did, did, which I'm grateful for. And I hope it has to do a lot with me actually teaching Scripture to them. <laughs> um, and then but afterwards, because uh, we had our church time, and afterwards uh, I just pulled them all together. And I just open up Matthew 28 and, uh, and just and also Acts 1.8. Uh, I read both and I just said, this is a calling for all. We are all called into ministry. We are all called to minister to our own sphere of influence. We're all called to make disciples, to reach people for Christ, share our faith and teach people. Um, to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. Mm-hmm. We are all called to that. This is not a calling for a few. This is not a calling for a pastor, uh, for only for pastors. Uh, this is a calling for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I and, and after that night, um, of course, the week ended and went back home. And one of the parents, my parents came up to me. Uh, it was saying, saying that she heard that I did that after one of the, uh, after that night, and her daughter 
actually was telling her that she was glad I, I, um, I said that because the whole entire time she was there, she was hearing this. She was like, that's not right. This is not right. Mm. <laughs> so, 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 so again, it, it was good to hear that. The, the, the students were actually listening to me when I'm talking about this, this type of stuff, uh, during the year. But, uh, I mean, I just, I think it's, I think instead of doing something like a call for ministry from the stage, uh, we should be more focused on equipping the, our next generation of spiritual leaders. That's what we'd be more focused on. And and if you're wondering, well, what about the kids in my youth group that are lost? Well, they only have one thing to do. Repent. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and then join the team and get on with, with doing ministry. So I was going to. I was going to interject earlier that um, scripture even says all are called, but few are chosen, but that's out of context. So (laughs) (laughs) that is not ministry calling. Well, hey, um, I know that we could probably cover, you know, a litany of other issues, um, but we wanted to take a very small sliver out of this particular one and examine it a little bit more. Um, And and really, I think uh, the undergirding thought is we need to think through what we're telling our students um, before we say it. Uh, especially if it's something we heard someone else say that sounded good. Uh, And hopefully um, this was an encouragement for you guys today, especially for those of you who have heard this and been like, "Mm, there's something off about that. Um, But uh, we appreciate you guys listening. It's good to be back. And uh, if you have not yet, um, why you've had all summer? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Please uh, comment and leave a star review on Apple Podcasts for us. Uh, This just, uh, this will get us back near the top of the search results um, since we've been out for the summer. And uh, it'll be uh, fresh content for youth workers who are looking for fresh content um, to uh, encourage them in, in their ministering to the youth and their families and their leaders. And uh, if there's a topic you want to hear or one that you listen to from our first 50 episodes and we're like, they need to do that again, let us know. Uh, you can contact us through Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Youth and Culture Facebook group. And we also have a page and we're on Instagram as well. You can message either one of us then there or you can even email our super short email address youthandculturepodcast at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you well guys stay tuned for our next episode